Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Andy Stanley Leadership Podcast, a conversation designed to help leaders go further, faster. I'm Andy Stanley. And before we jump into today's content, I wanted to talk about a special offer from our friends at Belay. From startups to large corporations, we all want to grow. But as a leader, you need extra time to do what only you can do. It's one of the things that all of us struggle with. And this is where our friends at Belay can help. Belay will help you free up your time and allow you to focus on the things that matter most to your success and make the biggest difference in your organization. Because whether you need a highly vetted US-based virtual assistant, bookkeeper, social media manager, or website specialist, Belay has the right person ready to help right now. And to help you get started, Belay is offering their latest book, Delegate to Elevate, for free. Delegate to Elevate. You can get this book for free. It's an ebook, and it'll help you learn how to stop diluting your efforts and trusting your team with more responsibility. This will empower you to courageously focus on your strengths and delegate your weaknesses, which is one of the things that every great leader does. To claim this offer, you just need to text the word Andy, A-N-D-Y, to 55123. That's Andy to 55123 and get your free copy today. You'll get it in no time and you'll be back to doing what only you can do, which is growing your organization. And now let's jump into today's content. I'm excited to have Adam Grant in the studio. We're talking about languishing. Adam, thank you so much for taking a few minutes to be with us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Andy. I I'd say I'm excited to be here, but I don't know if that's appropriate given that we're going to talk about languishing. So I'd just say, <laughs> meh. <laughs> Great illustration. Um, that will make more sense to podcast listeners in just a minute. For the handful of you who are unfamiliar with Adam, Adam has been Wharton's top-rated professor, get this, for seven years. He's an organizational psychologist. He's been recognized as one of the world's 10 most influential management thinkers. And perhaps where you became familiar with his name is where I did through his publishing. He's a number one New York Times bestselling author with five books, sold millions of copies. This month, we're going to talk about this viral piece that he did on languishing. It was, and Adam, this must have taken you by surprise. It was the most read New York Times article of 2021, plus the most saved article across all social media platform. So for those of you who are not familiar with this content, you are in for a real treat. So Adam, give us, uh, again, I imagine you were shocked by the response, right? I was not prepared. That's for sure. I had a feeling it was going to strike a chord because it was a light bulb moment for me to realize that I was languishing. And so I I thought it would resonate with some other people. I had no idea what what that was going to look like. Yeah, it's amazing. So Backing up just a little bit, give us a little bit of background on the topic, the word, and, you know, where did this begin? I think the the early days of COVID were really dominated by, by a sense of fear, grief, for a lot of people, loneliness. And then at some point, I think probably in the, the late spring, early summer of 2020, uh, we went from this acute anguish to more of chronic languish. It was, it was that Groundhog Day feeling that people were describing yeah. where they would say, you know, I'm having trouble concentrating. I'm in a pandemic fog. And I didn't actually recognize it at first, but I, I got a call from Tara Parker Pope at the New York Times. And she said, you know, I keep hearing people talk about this vague feeling. What is it? And I started cycling through. It's not depression. People still have hope. It's not burnout. They still have energy. What is it? And I remembered this, this work by Corey Keyes, a sociologist on languishing, and it just clicked. Hmm. Um, he defined languishing as a sense of emptiness and stagnation, uh, or you might call it ennui, 
where it feels like you are just a little bit aimless and a little bit joyless. Um, and I think a lot of people have felt that during the pandemic because it feels like the world is standing still. Yep. And I, I said, all right, maybe this is the neglected middle child of mental, mental health. Maybe this is the, the defining emotion of 2021 and now increasingly 2022 as well. And so talk a little bit more because I, I watched um, your TED Talk. And for those of you listening, Adam has an extraordinary TED Talk. It's about it's like 10 or 11 minutes where you tell a lot of the story. You're very funny and the, and the images are amazing. So just talk a little bit about how this impacted you personally. Because again, this, this wasn't something you were observing as much as you were experiencing with everybody else. That's what makes this so fascinating. Yeah, and I should have known better, right? As a psychologist, I study this for a living. I didn't even pinpoint it. I think the... The, my peak moment of languishing, which is really more like a trough than a peak, was I binged a whole season of a show on Netflix. I got to the last episode. I was like, wait a minute. I think I've already seen this before. <laughs> and I, I wasn't even paying enough attention to really know if I had or not. And yep. this kind of muddling through the day, right, with not being energized as much as I would have been by the things I was looking forward to, uh, even though, you know, I still had some energy. Uh, not feeling the same you know, meaning and purpose in the task that, that had brought that before. Uh, that was kind of the, I guess, the hallmark of, of languishing yeah. for me. And one of the things you talk about is that you feel like this is, for many people, maybe not all, but for maybe most people, this is connected to work because so many of us were in a, an environment, a predictable environment to some extent in terms of work, and then suddenly that's gone. Even if we're working from home, all of that's gone. So how does this connect to work life? I think actually one of the biggest causes of languishing, I, I have not seen a direct uh, study on this yet, but I have a hunch that a lot of languishing is coming from Zoom fatigue. Mm. That if you look at the research that Jeremy Balinson and his colleagues have done, um, one of the reasons that, that so many people have been going through Zoom fatigue is we sit still all day. We sit twice as close to the camera as we should, and we're flinching at these oversized virtual heads. We're not moving around. And then we're also trying to to read these glitchy facial expressions and body language. Hmm. Um, and, you know, I don't know that that necessarily causes complete burnout, right? Where you're so depleted that you have nothing left to give, but it definitely makes you feel blah. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah. yeah. At the same time, now we've, not everyone, but we've begun moving, you know, back into the office. And, and you know, I can speak for us. In some cases, it's like, no, you have to come back to work. So there's this love-hate thing. I love being at home. I love the flexibility. I hate Zoom. I'm not as productive. I'm working all the time rather than some of the time. I don't get the 20 to 45-minute decompression driving home, but I don't want to come back to work. So, you know, what do we do? I don't know. I just study this. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Good luck. Thanks for luck. being with us today, Adam. <laughs> uh, I think, I mean, I think they're, they're obviously what, what individual. Can, what are your suggestions? Yeah. Just as an employer who, again, personally, we're dealing with this. At the same time, we want to be sensitive, you know, to all the new realities. But we don't want to contribute to languishing in the people that we employ yeah. and work with. Yeah. I think the most important first step that an employer can take is, is to normalize the state of affairs right, to talk about it and to give people the psychological safety to, to share what this experience has been like. The number of people that after I wrote this article just said, like, I sent an email to my boss. I just forwarded the article and said, it me. Like, this is what I'm experiencing. Mm. Uh, when, people, when people can open up about what they're going through, it's a lot easier to figure out, well, what are the causes for us and, and how might we be able to solve this together? And 
we did a, an episode of my work life podcast on this last summer where there was an incredible example of a manager who said, it's okay to call in sick. It's also okay to call in sad. Hmm. And Andy, what I loved about that was not the idea that now you get five sad days a year. And if yeah. you don't use them up by <laughs> December, we're going to take them yeah. away. No, it was the, the message that, that mental health is part of health. And just as we would expect you to take care of yourself if you got COVID or you broke your leg, if you are languishing, if you're burned out, if you're feeling depressed or anxious, we want you to prioritize self-care. And I think if if that message is sent, people are a lot more likely to, to work together to figure out collective solutions to the problem. Wow. But the easiest way to send it is, is actually for, for leaders to talk about their own challenges, right? As a leader, for you to say, you know what, I'm kind of languishing right now. Is anybody else there? Uh, to say, I'm taking a mental health day or a recharge week, um, that that signals to everybody else in your team that that's okay. Hmm. For most people, I think it would be hard to call in and say, I'm, I'm sad. I think people just lie and make up something else. But the point is, as an employer, I need to create those pathways or those on-ramps and off-ramps for people to be able with, to, you know, maintain their dignity and at the same time, be able to take care of themselves when there's nothing physically wrong or they can't point to something specific and not force them to have to make something up, especially maybe in the transition back into the office and, you know, with all the other crazy stuff. So anything more specific on that? Because when I watched the TED Talk and when I read your notes, I thought this is a real thing. But like you looking through the grid as an employer, I, I did find myself thinking this is real. We should do something but I found myself languishing, you know, I, I, again, you know, anything that's just top of mind that hasn't been proven that you would suggest we at least consider. Yeah, I think there are a few things that are, are probably helpful. One is, I, I love this research that Leslie Perlow did on blocking out quiet time and saying, we're going to give you three mornings a week where there are no meetings and no interruptions so you can actually get things done. Right. If, if languishing is stagnation, progress gives you a sense of forward movement. But so many of us have been pulled into commitments all day because everyone's technically available all the time yep. that we feel like we're constantly behind. Um, and at some point, you're just like, I'm never going to get on top of my work. Why bother trying? Uh, so I think, we, I think we need good boundaries that allow people to protect time, to find flow, to get into that zone of deep work where you can, yep. you can focus on a task and actually finish something that matters to you. One of the other organizational factors that we have a lot of control over is flexibility. Um, and the flexibility conversation, Andy, has mostly been about where are we going to work. Yep. But what people care about even more is when and how much am I going to work, right? If people get the freedom to set their own schedules and priorities to say, actually, work may not be the most important thing in my life, uh, but I'm still professional. I can be productive. I'm going to do a good job. Here are the ideal hours I would want to set. Yep. I think that's a it's a huge opportunity. And frankly, we have now a, a growing body of evidence that in a four-day work week, people can be just as productive, if not more productive, than they were in five days, right? Last time I checked, and you're the expert here, I have never read scripture that says man must work five <laughs> days a week, right? right. Like we, we know when rest is, yeah. but who said a job has to be 40 hours yeah. or eight-hour days? And I, my, my hope is that one of the silver linings of this pandemic is that people start to radically restructure what— what work looks like in our society. What, what do you think about that? Well, I think if we step back into a more agriculturally driven world, we have no idea how they survive, right? I mean, they could not have worked professionally as long as we work because they would have starved to death, right? I mean, just getting through life, you know, and then on top of that, figuring out how to earn a wage, it's, 
it's unimaginable to us. But in terms of rhythm, and I think this is one of the things we all agree on, everybody has a rhythm and not everybody's rhythm is the same. And when you can create an organization or organize organizationally to where people have the freedom to find their rhythm, and if you hire great people with a strong work ethic that you're not having to check on, if you have to check on them, it's probably a bad hire to begin with. Absolutely, because uh, people's productive hours aren't the same. So, and, and I think that's one of the great things about the, the world we live in in terms of technology is the potential for that is already there. It's just a matter, I think, for some of us of changing our mindset about what work is and what work looks like. Now, this is related, and you can pass on this. And I think you alluded to this in the TED Talk. You've created your own way of allowing yourself to get into flow and not be distracted by social media. Because this is a, I mean, for me, I'm not pointing fingers. This is a huge distraction. And in order to stay in flow, it means I have shut off or shut down or separated myself from not only people, but the technology that competes for my flow. What, personally, how do you manage that? My, my favorite habit is, <laughs> along with my to-do list, I have a to-don't list, which is a list of rules I try not to break. Uh, and I say try because there are always moments when I slip. Yeah, but you're a parent, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but the, the social media rule is I do not scroll on social media unless there's literally nothing else I could be doing. That means I don't pick up my phone in bed uh, at nighttime. It means that if I log in, I log in to post. And then I log right out. So you literally log out of your social media accounts? I do. I do. So that means you can remember your password, though. So that <laughs> eliminates that eliminates me, I think. Right. Yeah. Well, it can, you can store it. Right. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> no. But if I honestly, if I had to sign back in, I would pick up my phone, just set it down. I don't want to mess with that. It's a it's an extra layer of yeah. friction to, <laughs> to tip the scales yeah. in a direction that's probably beneficial. But that I mean, it's it's such a simple step. Right. But. Just saying, okay, you know, if, if I actually do want to learn something on social media because I, I follow people who challenge my thinking or because I want to see the feedback on something I've posted, um, I will put that in my calendar as a task, right? So instead of reading a chapter of a book today, I want to spend half an hour, you know, reading up on, on an issue on social media that's, mm. that's current. Like, that's now a, a learning task, right? As opposed to a distraction from what I'm trying to accomplish. That's fantastic. Hey, before we continue, as I mentioned at the top of the broadcast, our sponsor, Belay, is offering a free download of their latest book, Delegate to Elevate. In Delegate to Elevate, you'll learn how to stop diluting your efforts by trusting your team with more responsibility. This, of course, will empower you to courageously focus on your strengths and delegate your weaknesses, something we talk about all the time on the podcast. And if you do that, of course, you'll develop future leaders in the process. Just text the word Andy, A-N-D-Y, to 55123. That's Andy to 55123 for your free copy today. And you'll be back to doing what only you can do, which is growing your organization. The technology interruptions, and I say interruptions, the technology that I interrupt myself with, when it interferes with my flow, it causes me to experience languishing because I'm back and forth and I'm back and forth and I'm not as productive as I should be. And oh no, it's 3.30 already. And it just exacerbates this, you know, even in a potentially productive day, it feels like languishing and it's the. I, I think you captured something really important there, Andy. The, the, there was data even pre-pandemic suggesting that, uh, that the average person was checking email 74 times a day across devices, 74 times. And they only How had four emails. I mean, yeah. <laughs> This is out of control. How do you ever get into a zone of deep flow where you can fully concentrate? 
Uh, I think some of the research I've read suggests that once you jolt yourself or, or get interrupted out of one of those states, it can often take 10 or 20 minutes to get back into it. And so you've, you've basically given up on the idea that you're ever going to fully focus on one thing, uh, which is disastrous for creativity and productivity. And to yep. your point, also is a great way to languish because you feel like I can't focus. I'm getting nothing done. Right. What, like, what's wrong with me? And it's not you. It's the fact that rapidly switching back and forth between two tasks interferes with your ability to do both of them well. Yeah, because it dilutes purpose. And when I watched the TED Talk, when I first was exposed to this, during the pandemic, I was extraordinarily busy and focused, and we pivoted our whole organization. So it wasn't the typical pandemic experience. But I immediately identify with languishing in terms of my self-imposed interruptions to flow. Again, it's the same experience. But in, in my case, I feel like sometimes it's self-imposed. Again, I want to encourage all of you to watch the TED Talk. And again, as organizational leaders and as parents, now we have a word and now we have a definition, which means we can identify it when it's happening to us. And when we hear our kids or um, the people in our organization begin to use some of this language, they don't have a word for it. Now we have a word for it as well. And if there's anything we can do to help people move beyond this and develop the disciplines to stay out of this, then that's a huge investment, not only in them personally, but obviously in our organizations. Well, Adam, unfortunately for me and our podcast audience, that is all the time we have today. Thank you so much for being here. And to all of our listeners, we want to thank you for joining us and invite you to check out Adam's work at adamgrant.net. That's adamgrant.net. And be sure to visit andystanley.com where you can download the Leadership Podcast Application Guide that includes a summary of our discussion today, as well as questions for reflection or for group discussion. And join us next month on the Andy Stanley Leadership Podcast. We will see you then.